Right, today we have an interview with Scott Carpenter, who wrote a book about Bigfoot, uh, the Nephilim Among Us. Yep. Um, so we get into you know what he thinks Bigfoot is, and actually it's quite. It's, in fact, it's really interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. He is going to come back on at a later date to talk about some of the more stranger aspects of uh, his research. Um, but we, we didn't have time to get into that no, today. It was, it was just fascinating. Wasn't it? Yeah. But um, uh, but before we get into Scott, we just wanted to do a quick recap on reviews. Yep. Right. These are the uh, we've had some uh, reviews from the UK. Thank you very much to Theme Park Films Podcast for your um, for your review. Uh, much appreciated. Really good. Okay. Also to um, Davalina eighty eight. Uh, thank you for your uh, fantastic review, and also to iTouchPad iPhone owner, and also another tremendous review. Thank you very much. Indeed, and uh, for those in the U- uh, the USA, uh, we had a few reviews on there. Uh, one by NT Moore, Jess Hoot Tex, I think that is. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Soapy Madams, very good, and podcast enthusiast. Zero zero, uh, they're all great reviews. There's two of them there. Uh, Jess who who texts uh, saying she likes our accents, um, and I think podcast enthusiasts also said that. So I yeah. I'm also looking on that as well. Say so they they're quite uh, very happy with us telling the stories. Yeah, you know, with the details. Yeah. And I, also, I, I, you know, I mean, which I, I'm quite pleased with that. I'm I'm quite. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we're, we're our research is. Uh, yeah, yeah spot I, on. And I like uh, an American accent, so... Yeah, I do. I love them. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Jennifer Edmondson-Sweetie. Thank you very much, Jennifer. For your review there. Yeah, you're such a sweetie. So, if you haven't already, uh, please leave a review. They really, really do help us. Yeah, the reviews are, are you know, really important to us. Um, yeah. And thank you so, so much for everybody who's, you know, wrote a review for us. Yeah, everyone you know, took the time really, to do it. really matters uh, to really, yeah. really important. So, so, thank you for that. And, thank you very uh, much. Obviously, the T-shirt competition is closing soon, September yep. 1st. So if you haven't already, get your entries in. Just name the six countries you believe listen to the podcast the most. It's very close at the moment. We've had some great entries, actually. We have, yeah. yeah we have, some yeah. getting some... Uh, Somebody's going to get a really good T-shirt yep, of their choice. Yeah, yeah, we've got a few to choose from. Yes, we have. Uh, oh, yeah. You can send them in by email, which is dbtopodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website and do it through there. Or you can actually on the website there is a direct message thing on there which you can use to yeah. do it. And some people have done that. So whatever, 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 way, whichever way you want to do it. Uh, so I think next week will be the naming of the person who actually won this competition. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe, maybe next weekend. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Maybe okay. getting on for that way. So um, yeah. so yeah, there's that. Um, also, if you've got a strange experience or paranormal experience and you want to share it on the show, either in person or get us to read it out just send it along to dbtopodcast at gmail.com so here's an example of a story that we've been sent in and we'll try and uh, you know read these out during the show as, yeah, as, we, yeah, as we go in the future but this one came to me and it was regarding a salesman and this is this one story that he's got in his life you know he you don't believe in all this you know paranormal goings on and that but this one thing happened to him, and he's still to this day, and this is like you know getting on for thirty years ago or whatever. But he still to this day cannot bring himself to talk about it. He very rarely talks about it, and uh, even people that know the story and, and quiz him mm. on it, 
you don't want to talk about it. He just says no, and, you know, and just changes the subject or, or moves away. But this retelling of it comes from his friend. Um, so basically, what happened? He was a um, young lad at the time, about 17, uh, 17, 18 sort of years, and he was a door-to-door salesman. And he was working for a TV company, and he was going door-to-door trying yep. to get people to sign up to the, you know the new cable uh, channel or whatever. So he's going door to door, and he arranged to meet his friend at this local chip shop that we are, that they have, uh, which was called Fish and Chip. So he arranged to meet this his friend there. who was also a door to door salesman. So anyway, as he's walking towards the chip shop, he's got a few minutes spare. So it's, you're meeting him at one. It's like ten to one. So he thinks I'll just knock a few houses on this street. Yeah. So as he's walking on, he just knocks a few houses. Anyway, he didn't get great response from a lot of them, but he knocks on this one door, and he said the garden was. You know, weeds everywhere, unkept. But he thought, you know, give it a knock anyway. Knocked on the door, and uh, this old lady opened the door. Um, he said she took a bit of time to get to the door. He could hear her, you know, stumbling and you know coming towards the door, and you know saying, "Hang on, I'm I'm coming," and all that. And he said he was chewing chewing gum at the time because he didn't think he'd get any, but he didn't think he'd get any response on these few hours that he was going to do. But he said he quickly took the chewing gum out, and there was a hole in the wall, like a you know a drill hole. And he just pushed his chewing gum in this hole. Anyway, she opened the door. He explained to her what he was there to do, uh, to sell this TV. And she had a good talk with him. Um, and she signed up, basically. She said, So she like uh, put pen to paper? Yeah, she put pen to paper. She oh, okay. said, yeah, I'm, yeah. In, I'm interested in this. Anyway, cutting a long story short. So he, he leaves there, goes to the chip shop. His mate's there. He gets a bag of chips and that. And he says, um, his, his mate said, he had any luck? You know? And he says, no. He says, not really. I said, oh, you know, five or Ooh. six, like... He said, I've just actually sold one to you know, a late old lady up the road here. He said, I don't really think she knows what she was buying, like, but she's you know, she's signed up, so you know, these salesmen work on commission, so at the end of yep. the day, you know. That's it. So anyway, he goes to work the next day and it's someone else someone else's job to ring around these customers that he's made contact with, uh, and you know, make sure that they still want the service and, and arrange an installation date. So They've rung them all. Everyone's A-OK, apart from they can't get all of this one customer. So they say to him, maybe you've got the telephone number wrong or something like that, you know, one digit out, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, we can't get all of them. Can you go back past there and, and just double-check that you've got the you know, the information correct? So he says, yep, not a problem. Anyway, so he goes back there. And like I say, on this stretch of road, most of it's shops. So there's only like five or six actual houses. Uh, so he knows exactly which one it is. It's the overgrown one in the middle. So he goes there, and he said like the paint was flaking off the you know the the window frames and that. So he knocks on the door, no one comes, and he thinks, oh sh- you know shit, she's out. Like, um, I need to get hold of her because he gets paid on commission, yeah, so course, he, he yeah. needs to get hold of her. So he knocks next door, see if they know the telephone number. So he knocks next door, and this lady comes to the door, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, bother you, I'm. Uh, Knocking about next door, we're um, coming to install, you know, the cable, but um, we think we've got a telephone number wrong. Uh, do you know the telephone number? Uh, can you, you know, can you give me it? And that, you know, that's all I need because she's not in. And um, the woman says, "The lady next door." He says, "Yeah." He says, uh, "There isn't a lady." She says, "There isn't a lady that lives next door." He says, "Well, the old lady that lives next door." She says, "No, there isn't an old lady." She says, "I've lived here fifteen years, and when I moved in." There was an old lady next door, but she literally died maybe two years after she moved in. And then the house has been unoccupied because it's uh, the 
the son owns it now and he lives abroad. So the house has just gone to rack and ruin. She said he did have tenants in there for a little bit, you know, a couple of yeah. years. But after that, no one else has lived there. And you can see the state of the house. Like Anyway, he says, okay. And he thinks, uh, he thinks she's trying to um, get rid of him. Yeah. Because he's trying to sell cable to this old lady, you know what I mean? So she don't want to give him the details. So he thinks, oh, she's pulling my leg. Uh, so anyway, he goes to the other neighbour, the other side, knocks on the door, and then another lady comes to the door, and he says, oh, you know, I'm trying to get the telephone for next door. She's not in at the Ooh. moment, and she wants to, this cable. And he says, what lady next door? And he said, the old lady lives next door. And he described her. Uh, well, this this guy, this neighbour said, uh, describe her to me, what she looked like. And he described her. He said, you know what? He said, I, you know, I live with, lived, since he's a kid, he's like, lived in the house. His parents had the house. Yep. Then, he, then he took over after him. He said, I know the lady you're talking about. I grew up with her and that. But yeah, she died, you know, 10 years ago, whatever. And he actually, he said, you described it to a T. And he, anyway, so he's a bit shocked by this. And he's thinking, it can't be. So he goes, uh, and I had the name, you know, he had the name. She wrote the name on a piece of paper. So he says, well, the name's such and He says, yeah, that's her. You know, Mary uh, Step or whatever name was, that's her. And he's, he's, anyway, he's taken back and then a neighbor goes in. And he, he said himself, he, he still couldn't accept it. So he even went back to the door and had a look for the wall to see if that chewing gum was there. Yeah, and it was. There. It was still there. Um, so he had to go back to the office and explain, you know, the situation. I mean, that, 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 that to me is, is quite fantastic because even though if you was a medium, you're a psychic, you could actually see it. But for this woman to put pen to paper, yeah. now that's something else, yeah. Lee. You know, yeah. you know. So I'm saying, oh yeah, she comes to the door. She's talking to me. All right, you, you can say, okay, yeah, if it's true, this guy's possibly a medium or a psychic. You can see it. But for one to come and say, right, scratch your little name on there if you had a deal to put actually put pen to yeah, paper. Yeah. That's another issue. Isn't it? Yeah. And he said she yeah. had a conversation with me about all kinds of things. You know, she had a conversation with me about the the local industry and you know the weather and all the usual shit that you go through when you talk. He, he was there for about 10 minutes. He yeah. said he was checking his watch because he had to meet his mate at one o'clock. So he's thinking, fucking hell, you know what I mean? Hurry up, just sign the paper and let me go kind of thing. So um, he said he rushed away from her because he said he didn't know how long he would have been stood there talking to her if he wasn't, you know, trying to get away. So, um, but yeah, that's an example of the story. There you go. Uh, stories we're looking for. Like that's I say, what... you can either come on yourself and tell it, or you send it to us, and, and we'll read yeah, it we'll out. Yeah, we'll it out for you. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I, the... I'd be quite uh, fascinated to find her uh, if she if she dated that. You know, put, she put the date on it. Mm. You know, and we know she signed a name on the on the on the paper. But it'd be nice. It'd be great to find that. Did she put the date? Well, like twenty fourth, fifth, two seventeen. You know, was she still possible? Um, or did she sign it like 1967 yeah what date did yeah, she yeah, sign yeah. it on you know what yeah, I mean it'd be interesting you know, obviously if she's uh, like uh, if she still thinks she's alive or mm. still you know what I mean she would have signed it like I don't know uh, 10 years ago yeah. but if she signed today's date then you're going out oh, now she knows what I date mean, it is this, it's like quite this uh, guy, like fascinating said, this guy was really shocked um, I bet it was you know it took him quite a while to get over it and he obviously got ribbed you know got <laughs> the piss taken out of him yeah work, uh, obviously uh, yeah. I can see you, why he not, wants to keep you, it a bit quiet you yeah. found any more dead customers and all that kind yeah. of shit so. well, but anyway it did affect him and he's like I say he doesn't talk about it he won't talk about this now so yeah so that's why and that's why I'm not telling the names yeah you know. well, we'll, we'll always keep you know, if you don't want your name mentioned yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll always keep it, it you know as, so as, uh, so yeah so that's that so like I say dbtopodcast at gmail.com uh, or go to the website don't break the oath podcast dot com and yeah, send your stories yep bring them uh, in and we'll be sure to read them out yep uh, I've got some more stories for 
the next two shows, which I'll go into now, so I won't keep you. But uh, right, so we'll get into the interview today, which is Scott Carpenter. Yes, uh, my name's Scott Carpenter. I'm what is known in America as a amateur Bigfoot researcher. Um, I've been doing it since 2009. Uh, I've written a, a one, two, three, four books now about my experiences, um, along with uh, doing the Bigfoot research. Uh, unfortunately, I, I say unfortunately, uh, I encountered uh, other cryptids. Uh, the dog man is one of them. I've encountered what you would call, what the UFO community would call the gray alien top, top entities. And I've also experienced uh, uh, orbs. So um, that's kind of a synopsis of what's been going on in my research. I think, um, I mean, so just, you know, just based on that, you know, being out there and witnessing all these creatures, do you think in some strange way they're all connected? Yes. Uh, in my, in my last book, I call it, it's called the Nephilim Among Us, where I take all the years of my experiences and I draw some conclusions based on my worldview and the evidence. You know, I give it, in, in my, I give it a, in my opinion. I think they're all, I do think they're all related. I think that the, you know, as researchers start uh, actually sharing ideals, you know, for a long time, the MUFON people wouldn't talk to the Bigfoot people and the Bigfoot people wouldn't talk to the ghost hunters and the ghost hunters, you know, everybody, you know, everybody wouldn't, talk, but as we've gotten deeper into the research and we note similarities between behaviors and or uh, the phenomenon, then, you know, people are starting to share more information. I mean, one of the inconvenient truths about Bigfoot and UFO is there's a percentage, a small, it's not a large percentage, but there is a percentage of people who during an abduction scenario or a UFO sighting see a Bigfoot, like a Bigfoot runs off the UFO and runs out in the woods or they're, you know, the abductee is in the spaceship, so to speak, and they look over and they see a Bigfoot, Bigfoot standing there. Yeah, there's a case, or, uh, the, sorry, there's a case of that in the UK that I know off the top of my head. It was, um, Richard, um, Hall, I think his name was up in Newcastle. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was abducted by, uh, uh, hominid looking, what we call the, the Nordic aliens. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And when he got aboard the craft, he said there was a Bigfoot there. And this is obviously pre, yeah. predates Star Wars and all that. So he's not yeah. thinking Chewbacca, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, gotcha. yeah. Well, that, that's where and, they got the idea from. Well, yeah. So. Exactly. And, 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 and in turn, I've, I had an incident where I had a Bigfoot encounter and there was a gray alien type being peeking around a tree. So, you know, and I know, you know, and in, in even in dogman sightings, uh, uh, you know, people were reporting where there were mysterious UFO and then there were lots in the woods and then all of a sudden the dogmen showed up. So, you know, this, this phenomenon, in my opinion, is all related. You know, it, it's all, it's all got a single source, you know, uh, that, that's created everything or it's managing or running everything. So, it's it's very interesting. There's a lot of interesting discussions and theories once you get into it. You know about you know the phenomenon, the rules that these creatures seem to have to follow, and 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 you know how they interact with people. Yeah. So are we saying that possible these dogmen or Bigfoot are actually henchmen for these greys? Uh, they could be. I mean, the Bigfoot community. A lot of 
you know, you start, it's hard to figure out. There's a variety of different types of dogmen. So they could be henchmen. Uh, you know, obviously there's some apparent, uh, genetic uh, manipulation going on. I mean, if you really look at the dogman and slash Bigfoot, there's people that actually reported, uh, you know, a creature that looks like a Bigfoot as far as its body, but has a dogman head. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, and then you have the traditional dogman, which looks, you know, it looks like a canine, but it has human shoulders, human arms with claws mm. and an elongated yeah, foot. And then the dog, some dog men have a German shepherd type looking snout. Others have a pig like, you know, more, uh, a pig snout, what I call where it's flat on the end. And, you know, and just, and then in between that, you just have a variety. I mean, there's been dog men reported with horns on their heads. You know, it's almost like someone, someone's in the genome tinkering around yeah. and saying, hey, what can we, you know, what nasty thing can we, uh, you know, mix up in the lab next and throw out there? Now, I'm going to, I'm going to put this on the table straight away because obviously when you say people are mixing genetics and stuff like that, a lot of people are going to go straight to the government, you know, the go- yeah. some sort of military experiment. But we're, we're talking about sightings that predate any sort of, you, you know, eugenics or uh, we're talking sightings going right back to, um, well, the Native Americans for one. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that sort of, I mean, it's not to say that they couldn't be messing around with genetics now, but a lot of this stuff goes way back. I mean, you go, even back into the Middle East and India and places, um, yeah. you know, when the Greeks were mm. conquering these places, they come across them themselves. So um, we're not talking about the military. I mean, the military could be weaponizing them. Let's not, you know. Yeah, but, absolutely. But we're, we're talking about a creature that was probably here before man had anything to do with it. Would you go along with that? Uh, yeah, I would go along with that. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, you know, my I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I have a biblical worldview. But, I, you know, I'm open, and, you know, so if I say angel, other people may say extraterrestrial. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, if I say, a, you know, a spirit or a demon, see, people will say, well, that's, you know, you know, some sort of life force energy. So, you know, you can I always say substitute. magic. Yeah, magic. Yeah, or some would say magic. So, yeah, you know, from, from my belief system, you know, you had genetic manipulation going all the way back before the flood of Noah and the fallen angels and uh, the Bible and other extra biblical texts actually say that the fallen angels, you know, with, with their knowledge were, you know, actually, you know, were, were messing with the genome. Uh, you know, they, they had uh, relations with women, however you want to say that relations was, and they produced uh, angel human hybrid. And they also uh, messed with the uh, animals. And so there, there's where you get your satyrs and all your different, you know, other types of, uh, uh, you know, human animal crosses, uh, in the book of Jasher and the book of, uh, Enoch. It actually, it, it just flat out tells you that both the people and the fallen angels were, were, uh, mixing the species yep. and corrupting, corrupting the creation. So, you know, that would, you know, so. You can see that it's been going on, you know, for a long, long time. And, uh, definitely, like you said, that's where you would get, uh, you know, back through history, the Greeks, the Romans, you know, they would encounter, you know, uh, these, uh, beings. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think, um, I mean, I've been studying Dogman now for only a while, Bigfoot, but what I find very, very interesting, and it's nearly every single time, 
is that when these people are in the forest or woods or wherever they are, it seems to be go dead quiet, bang. Mm. Just nothing, yeah, you know. This, when these creatures turn up, this just, effect. just kind of affect you. Where yeah. you know, even you, even you can't hear any crickets, it just goes deathly silence mm. every time these creatures turn up. Once they're gone, it comes back to life again. The woodlands or the forest, it comes back to life. Mm. Is that something you've experienced? Yeah, yes. That that's uh, we've had that both in Bigfoot sightings and in uh, dogfoot sightings, or even in other phenomenon, mm. you know, like orbs or. Any other things, uh, you know, the woods will just go eerily quiet. I mean, sometimes I know this is, it feels like even the wind stops blowing. Yeah. So, uh, which, would, you know. Would you say that was more <clears throat> internal rather than external? Would, would I would, s- I would say some of it's internal. I mean, I think, uh, the forest creatures, of course, know something's wrong. And so they, you know, they stop everything they're doing. But as far as the, you know, I, I would think your perception, if everything goes completely quiet in the woods, you know, because you guys, you know, have been out in the woods, you know, it's a, everybody says, oh, you know, it's a quiet place. Well, actually, the woods are quite loud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, there's always creatures stirring, there's insects, uh, bird calls. So when it goes quiet, it's a, it's a eerie, eerie feeling. Mm. And so, you know, that may be a perception, you know, of the wind not blowing may be a perception. But I mean, even my uh, research, uh, friend uh, in uh, North American Bigfoot search, David uh, Pilates, he had, he had him and a friend out in California had a couple of instances where it got like that. I mean, no wind, no nothing. I mean, they, uh, you know, they literally sat down uh, underneath a tree back to back because they didn't know what was coming next. You know, it was, it got so creepy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a phenomenon that, you know, I've I've experienced I've heard other people, you know, tell me about. Okay. So should we um should we get into some of your sightings then? Sure. You mm-hmm. just tell me where you want to go, Will. Alright. What was the uh what was your first sighting of one of these strange creatures? Okay, the the first time would have been childhood uh sighting uh, uh when I was uh nineteen probably nineteen years old. Uh, I lived in a, a rural community, uh, in, uh, East Tennessee. Uh, we lived on a dead end street. There was only like two or three houses, uh, on our street. And then we were surrounded by farmland and, uh, it was late in the evening. It was during the summer. And, uh, I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with Johnny Carson, I think. And, uh, traditionally in, in over here is, uh, have, you'd have your evening, evening news. We were on Eastern Standard Time, so at 11 o'clock, you'd have your evening news, and then at 11.30, uh, Johnny Carson would come on, and uh, me and my mom were on the couch, uh, and Johnny Carson was getting ready to come on, and, and his mom was wanting to go to bed, and she said, I need to take the garbage out. And at that time, uh, the garbage can uh, was at the back of our uh, property, uh 50-gallon drum, you, you just literally threw your garbage in there, and then the garbage man would actually right up in your yard and pick it up. Mm. And so, uh, we, the, the, our den was, uh, you know, it was, uh, rectangle shape and, uh, we were on one end, the TV was on the other and beside the TV was the door that went out to the porch. So mom got the garbage and went outside and I'm sitting on the couch. Like I said, Johnny Carson's coming on. Not, I mean, just, a, just a few seconds after mom went off the back porch, she had, 
had the light on, so you the door's open, you've got a glass door, and then these uh these two little uh creatures ran up on the back porch, uh placed their faces against the window and started staring at me. And it scared me, just it scared me to death. I, I can I mean I can just you know, that's one memory that I have is just etched is the moment they're both looking in at me. And the best way to describe these little guys is they kind of looked like orangutans in the fact that they had high foreheads and their hair was all messed up and everything like that, but their faces were more human-like. Uh, they had uh, wide, flat noses, and their uh, mouths were real wide and just a you know real thin-lipped. And uh, one was probably about four foot tall. I'd say the other maybe a six inches taller, maybe four and a half foot. And so, you know, they're looking in at me and, and my, you know, I, I am just petrified and, uh, and I'm so scared. I can remember hearing my heartbeat in my ears. And, uh, and then they looked at each other and then looked back at me and they both smiled and they had these kind of boxy, uh, you know, big white teeth. You know, there weren't any fangs. Neither one of them I can remember had fangs. They just had, just remember, you know, it was, it was kind of white teeth. Of course, now a lot of this may have been because they were outside and light was shining on top of them. Made everything look kind of, uh, kind of eerie, but, and then they, they smiled, which actually made me feel a little bit better. And then, uh, then you, then what happened was my mother dropped the lid. There's a metal lid to the drum. So when she dropped that lid back down to shut it, you know, it, it made a, it made a loud sound. And when it did, they jerked their heads around and then they just turned and quickly ran off the back porch. And then when my mom came back in, I said, did you see those two little monkeys? And she looked at me kind of strange. She said, what do you mean? I said, there were two monkeys outside. They were on the back porch. Didn't you see them? And she says, I don't know what. She said, no. She said, I didn't see anything. And she said, it's probably our neighbors playing tricks on us. And trust me, my neighbors were both blonde-headed. You know, I, I would know what my neighbors look like. And plus, I don't think they'd be at 1130 running around. But hmm. the only thing she did say I thought was interesting she did say that, that that she complained about a skunk smell that must have a skunk rummaged around the back again. So, you know, and as you know, Bigfoot sometimes smell, have a skunk like smell. Yeah. So that was my, that was my first experience with the creatures you would call Bigfoot. And, uh, that stuck with me, gave me nightmares for a long, long time. And, uh, it wasn't until I was in my early twenties. When I saw some, uh, some of the Bigfoot specials they used to put on TV that, uh, you know, I saw, I saw a scene where they showed, uh, I believe it was a lady was describing, uh, what an infant Bigfoot looked like. And then when she did, it just instantly clicked for me. Oh, that's what I saw. Mm. And so that kind of, that helped, you know, once I kind of put a identity to these things, that, that stopped the nightmares, but. Uh, for me, especially as a childhood, I would just have these nightmares of those little things, you know, running around my bed or, you know, looking at me at the, through the window. And, uh, but those, like I said, once I, uh, kind of in my mind identified what was going on, the nightmare ceased. So that was my, that was my very first encounter with these little things. Right. <clears throat> and that was the only one that happened while you lived at that location. Mm hmm. Yeah. Only one I can remember. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, nothing else out of the ordinary that, you know, it's a normal childhood, you know, grew up, uh, 
you know, my next encounter wasn't until I was an adult and I started my research. And that was back in 2009. I don't, I don't know if you want me to go over that one or you want me to go tell yeah, about that. Yeah, fine. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this is how, this is what got me into it. Uh, I had a, uh, at you, the time I had a job. Did you, sorry, did you already start the research when you bumped into this one or did this start the research? No, 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 no. No, the, the, the childhood experience didn't start the research. The no, what about this, this new one? Yeah, the 2009 experience is what started the research. Okay, so you, so you, so you, you bumped into it before you started the research is what I'm saying. Or, or was you out that, researching and bumped into it? That's correct. I mean, during my adult, before that, in 2009, I had a couple weird experiences while I was hunting deer hunting that looking back I could you might attribute to Bigfoot uh, one of them uh, was a large handprint on the side of a uh, the camper of my truck and my father-in-law just kind of slept it off as a bear print of course you know you knew it wasn't a bear print I mean it was yeah. a hand but it was so large but back then I didn't wasn't into Bigfoot and uh, you know I, you know I did like to watch the the TV specials that would come on about UFOs or, you know, you know, when they'd have a Bigfoot special, I'd watch it. But you know what I'm saying? It wasn't something I was just, you know, when researching, you know, it's just a passing interest. Yeah, that's fair enough. And so, you know, so I had a couple, but the, the real, what got me started in all this was in 2009. Uh, I had been, um, had a job where I would pretty much worked in an office alone. So during my lunch hour, I would, uh, that, you know, people were starting to post stuff on YouTube and YouTube was becoming popular and I would watch different videos, fishing videos, hunting videos, you know, and I, and I found some of these Bigfoot research videos, which at the time I thought was a joke and I would watch them because they were funny. And I'd watched one video where a guy had been whooping at him, you know, making a whoop and, and got a response. And so anyway, so that's kind of the background. So fast forward, I'm fishing, uh, one Saturday morning, um, and I'm out this, uh, the area I'm fishing, I'm off the bank of a, it's about 1500 acre, uh, uh natural area or uh, recreation area. So there's, you know, it's, it's uninhabited. I mean, people can hike on it or hunt on it or stuff like that, but there's no, there's no houses and it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty grown up. So I'm, fishing and for some reason just you know being silly i i just make some of those whoops you know like i'd heard you know on that video and of course i look around thinking god i hope nobody heard me because i know on the lake you know it, it echoes pretty good yeah. and so you know i'm not thinking anything of it i probably make two or three more casts and all of a sudden in the woods i start hearing something coming towards me you know, and uh, out, down through the woods. And, I mean, this thing is really uh, tearing it up. Uh, I mean, it's breaking limbs. I mean, it's it sounds like, you know, I, I don't know how to equate it. It's just, you know, something is, it sounds extremely agitated. It's uh, walking, you know, very heavily. And it's just tearing, you know, breaking limbs and, and thrashing through the brush. And, of course, this has got my attention, and I'm just staring at the wood line. And, uh, whatever this thing is, it comes down to the, almost to the water's edge, but it won't come out where I can see it. The, uh, the bank was extremely grown up. And so it was early in the morning. So you had the way the sun was shining, you had a bunch of deep shadows back into the woods. And whatever this thing was, you know, it would, it was staying back in the shadows. It wouldn't come to the water's edge, but it's staying back in the shadows. Of course, 
it comes down to the water's edge or close to the water and it starts going back and forth along the point. And as it's moving back and forth, you can hear heavy footfalls. You can hear it breaking limbs. And by this time I'm, I'm, uh, getting on trolling motor. That's an electric motor to, and backing myself up. Cause I'm like, I'm way too close to the shoreline for this thing. So I'm, I'm, you know, still in shock. I'm backing this thing up. And I think when I, uh, hit the trolling motor and made the sound. It may have, you know, it may have either heard me or seen me. And, but, you know, it, it kept going back and forth for a few, you know, I say a few minutes. I, I don't know how long this whole thing happened, probably two or three minutes, but it kept going, you know, looks like it was pacing back and forth. And then I heard it, I heard a couple of, uh, I'll, I just call them humps. They just kind of went, huh, huh, like that. And then it, whatever it was, uh, started just, just slowly, you know, bipedally walk back up in the woods. Of course, it wasn't raising cane and breaking stuff as it walked away. And it just, you know, kind of just, you know, I could just hear it go out, you know, go out of uh, ear range as it just went back up into the woods and just slowly walked back up in the woods. So, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, dumbfounded, not knowing what to think, you know, what in the world was this? And, you know, the area's really grown up, and I knew it wasn't a horse. You know, I wasn't somebody riding a horse, and it, it couldn't have been a person. And, you know, this this area was full of briars and really grown up. And, you know, whatever this was was quite large. It wasn't, you know, you know, it wasn't small. So uh, that with that, the next weekend, I, you know, I had to figure out what was going on. So I grabbed a uh, you know, family video camera and, and headed out to that, that recreation area. And the rest is kind of history. That's kind of got, got me started into the Bigfoot research. Obviously then it was a uh, territorial then. Obviously. No, obviously. You're, obviously yeah. you're, you're very close to it. You say, you know, you, you stay mm. your distance. I stay mine. Obviously. Yeah. But what is it protecting? What's That's a good does, question. I mean, what is it? I, I mean, is there something? I don't know. I mean, the, I, I mean, the whoops weren't even that good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it, whether it was the whoops or the fact, you know, it had to be the whoops, but, you know, you know, it got its attention. Um, but I don't, you know, I, that, that's good. Those are questions I can't answer. I don't know why yeah, yeah. my think, particular um, upset. I don't you, know, you know, you obviously think, it was upset. I mean, where do you stand on? Cause, cause I'm, Thinking that, like, looking at this research and all the rest of it, I'm sort of coming to the, coming round to the way of thinking that these Bigfoots are almost, um, tri- tribes or clans of, um, creatures rather than, you know, individuals. But, it's, you know, it's rare that people see more than one at a time, you know, um, and I guess I'm basing this on, 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 on primate, you know, you know what goes on with, with well, known primates, but you think more than that, don't we? Really yeah, so. but um, where do you stand on on the line then? So if you've got primate at one end and then human at the other, where would you put the 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 Bigfoot on that line? Would it be closer to to the monkeys or closer to the humans? Because because it to, it almost feels to me like a tribe of uh, you know of Native American uh, you know lost Native American tribe, if you like. Mm-hmm. I believe or, or that they're a human hybrid. And, yeah. uh, I base that on, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was involved in the Sasquatch genome study with Dr. Ketchum. I had 11 samples in that study and her study showed that 
the uh, the Bigfoot, the mitochondrial DNA, which comes from the mother, yeah. uh, was human. The nuclear DNA, which comes from uh, which would come from the father, was unknown. And so we we have a we have a human hybrid of some sort. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so yeah. and and that's why I don't know if you you know that's why when everybody tests quote Bigfoot hair, it always comes back human. And then everybody, because most of the time when you have hair, the easiest DNA to get is the mitochondrial DNA. The nuclear DNA, you've got to have you know, a higher quantity and quality to get that out. And I mean, since, since, you know, the nineties when they started doing DNA tests till now, you know, someone will, you know, see a Bigfoot, it'll leave a hair sample. They'll say, Hey, we've got it. You know, we've got our hair sample and then they'll run it to the lab and the lab will do mitochondrial DNA and they'll come back. Well, it's human. And then they'll say, well, it had to be contaminated. And of course it wasn't contaminated. It's just the fact that that's, that's the genetic profile of a Bigfoot. The mitochondrial DNA is pretty much human. And so, uh, you know, so th- it, that's what I see him at is, is a human hybrid. And I, I believe the, that's been, and there's other, you know, there's been other uh, studies recently, you know, where they found, uh, Neanderthal with, uh, un- unknown nuclear DNA in it. So there is, it's not unprecedented to have a species that uh, they're finding mitochondrial DNA is human and uh, nuclear DNA is unknown. Yeah. I think, so, uh, I think I saw a study just a few days ago, which says that, um, you know, as Europeans almost, we, we have, uh, unknown, um, genetics in us as well. Obviously, we have the Neanderthal genetics, which when you go further, you know, west, if you like, they, they don't. Um, but um, we have an unknown one in there, in there as well. So there's another uh, hominid that we're not, we don't even yeah. recognise yet. That's yeah. within our genetics. So you know, for this to work, then, then the Bigfoot has to be around before humans, doesn't it? To for for it to breed. So you, you're talking about like a population of what we could say Bigfoots breeding with humans, and then we're getting the hybrid. What we see now is the hybrids, yeah. Yeah, I think so. The, so. so do you think the original Bigfoots then that mated with the humans? Do you think they're still about around the world, and could they possibly be the giants? Well, they could be. I, I mean, that's my theory that, that the original Bigfoot are, are actually the giants. Yeah. And uh, and it's a crossbreeding type situation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What 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 do you think? I mean, because we're talking about you know possibly high intelligence here. What do you think makes them not not? I don't think weary is the right word to use here. But what do you think uh, makes them stand off from humans then? Well, that's that, that that's the billion dollar question. <laughs> yeah. uh, and well, and that kind of goes back to it's it's a big picture sort of thing. I, when you do this research you start to come to the realization there seems to be a set of rules. Literally, there is a set of rules. Mm. And they follow these rules uh, for the most part. You know, there are exceptions, of course, but for the most part, they follow these rules. And so you you begin, and I've discussed it with other researchers, okay, number one, who came up with the rule and who enforces the rule? Yeah. And what happens when they break the rule? And b- because, you know, we you, you see that uh, – I mean, in my book, I, I kind of list these rules, but uh, like, you know, it, through my experience, I found the rules kind of go like this. You know, you do, you do not show yourself to a human male, period, okay. unless yeah. it's unless, you know, the exception of the dad is unless it's, you know, 100, you know, unless it's necessary to 
you know, for some reason, uh, some emergency reason. But, you know, in general, you don't. When you peek at a human being, you only peek with one eye. You always cover your face with something, whether it's your hand, a leaf, uh, you know, some, some way. In other words, where you never expose your entire face or your entire body to a human to a human male. Always, always obscure. Yeah. Always obscure. I mean, it's like you know, my friend says it's SEAL Team Six on steroids, <laughs> and so, and. Uh, you know, and then, you know, they have another rule that says you can expose yourself to a human female if she's alone. You can actually do a full body. You can, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and the same thing with uh, children. You can expose yourself a full body to children. And you can let your children play with children as long as they're supervised and only an adult female sees the children. I know you're thinking you're crazy, but, I mean, through, you know, you know, looking at probably over a hundred cases like this, this seems to be the rule. I've I mean, seen was, many cases where the the the. Uh, well, I'll let you finish your rules first. Before yeah, I yeah. It, so, yeah. so those uh, that's that rule set. You know, there there seems to be that rule set about the female. You know, yeah. and then the other thing is is communications. You can only communicate with a human if you do it in a in a way that can't be identified. In other words, if and it's only it has to be in a way that only you and the human you're communicating with know its communications. Yeah. And so like so you know, an example would be, you know, I, I've got a feeding station and I make a smiley face out of rocks and all of a sudden, you know, you the, the Bigfoot he can take those rocks and he can turn all the rocks 180 degrees. All right, that's something that I would know he did, but no one else would know. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and so, but if I told you, hey, uh, somebody just turned these rocks all 180 degrees, you know, not just one, but every one of them, all 180 degrees, you know, you'd look at me like, well, you're just whacked, you know, you're an idiot. So, in other words, it's got to be in such a way that only you and the person you're, or the Bigfoot and the person they're communicating with know there's communications. And I mean, they, they do that with me. There's a, the, Method they use with me is, I call it a signature. It's three and one. Uh, during my research, no matter how many I would lay these rocks out and they started making a three and one pattern, they put three rocks together and then, you know, space another rock, uh, you know, away from it. Mm. And this just kept happening over and over again. Well, when they began to visit my house, uh, guess what I started finding? Whether I put out candy bars or peanuts or coins or rocks. It was in three and one. Yeah. It was a three and one. So that's their signature to me. Anybody else would think I was a loon. Would you but think that, that, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when I, when I hear that is that they're saying there's three of them and one of you. And I, and that still could be that way. But I think they adapted that as a signature, as their signature to me. I mean, I, I found that pattern probably earlier in the spring at my house. They don't visit hardly anymore, but uh, I went outside. I was getting ready to mow, and I found I found three sticks or four sticks of equal length laid out in the backyard, uh, perfectly aligned, and there was three together and one one about three feet apart. Mm-hmm. So I really doubt that they, that fell out of the tree that way, broke the perfect length, and then lined you, up. Um... Have you measured the spacing between the rocks and see if it, there's a? Uh, yeah, and it varies. It just uh, yeah, so sometimes it just depends on the scale. You know, if mm. it's you so know, I was, it's I was just, wondering if there was a mathematical code in there, but mm. it, it's just more random than that. 
Uh, no, Spacing-wise. Yeah, but I will say this. Spatially-wise, they seem to be very keen on specifics about, you know, spacing, like evil spa- I mean, equal spacing or, like, pretty sure I made them mad a couple of years ago, about 18 months ago, and and they'll do another part of this communications is some most of the time they'll do whatever they do twice because one time's a coincidence twice you know is you know probably not a coincidence you know and if it happens three times you know the old saying once a coincidence twice is uh what is it it's once is random twice is a coincidence three times is enemy activity you know that sort of <laughs> yeah, yeah. and so uh They'll do it twice. They won't do it the third time because if they do it the third time, then it's obvious they've done it. Yeah. But, but I had a, I, I don't know, well, you, uh, I had a blackbird, a starling and I went out in the morning and I noticed this dead bird in my driveway and it had been squeezed and the guts popped out of it and it was laying there, but it was laying in the center. I mean, exactly the center of my driveway. I measured it. It was at, my driveway's like 18 feet across and it was right in the middle, nine feet on the dot. Mm. Well, a couple of days later, I found another starling guts squeezed out in exactly the same location. Mm. So, but that was it. That was once and twice. And so, you know, but very, very precise. There ain't going to be, there ain't really a lot of things that's going to go around and squeeze starlings, is there? I mean, yeah. anything else the is yeah. like, you know, like some sort of constrictor snake or something, but. Yeah, usually yeah. they'll eat that, won't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they won't be doing it just on, for... on the driveway, would they? No. So. No. So, no. I mean, that, you know, when, when that's the, like I said, that's, but that, I guess I'm kind of got off on a little rabbit trail, so to speak, but, you know, but that's the type of communication. So when I say there's rules, that's an mm-hmm. example of, you know, they, they'll do a communications with me that I'll know, but no one else. And if anyone else saw that, it would, you know, it wouldn't be considered, you know, communications. Mm. Do you think they're breaking the rules to do that? No, I think that's it within the rules. I think that's yeah. part of the rules. They can communicate as long as they keep it uh, covert. Okay. A lot of us have surmised it's almost, I don't know if you've ever read like a prisoner, uh, you know, prisoner of war books. And how the the prisoners have to communicate with each other. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it appears that the Bigfoot communicate with human beings as if they are being watched by somebody mm. that doesn't want them to communicate. That, that's yeah. the feeling I get. That's why I asked you that question: whether they are breaking the rules by you no know, doing this, mm. like you yeah. say, because they only do it twice, three times, and then it looks a bit. Then you no, know, the person who's watching them would almost say, "Hang on a minute, there's something going on here," kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. so that exactly, but I find it interesting that they can show themselves to women. I mean, most mm-hmm. ninety. So I, uh, David had found David Pilates had found that ninety eight percent of all full uh, full time or full daytime body, in other words, a Bigfoot steps out and shows its entire body, is a woman. Very rarely is a man. Now it has happened. There's about two percent I know of a person, a man that actually had a Bigfoot step out in the trail in front of him. I actually know of two. But here, my theory is that's the exception to the rule. You can show yourself to a man if you're protecting your family. So let's say somebody comes down the trail and it's a, a Bigfoot male and he's got his, his wife and like three children with him. And they're kind of stuck out in the open. So in order to distract the human being, the male's course is going to step out into the, you know, step out 
in the open. Yes. Of course, a human being is going to freak out and stare at the male. Yeah. So while he's, you know, getting the attention of the human being, his family's, you know, skedaddling behind him is getting out. And then, of course, when his family is in out of harm's way, so to speak, then he'll, you know, to me, that explains why people say, I don't understand it. It just stood out in the trail and stared at me for two or three seconds and then it disappeared. Yeah. Well, probably more than likely. Yeah, Some more than sort likely. Of, uh, deception going on. Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. 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 I mean, that's what I've come to. You know, I think that's probably what's happening. Mm. And uh, so if you ever have that experience and you're a man, you better turn around. There's probably something sneaking up behind you. <laughs> yeah. So. The other thing that, uh, that was the, the, one of your rules there where they can show themselves to, to females. I've, I've had many cases where activity will start as soon as the man leaves the house say the man is a i don't know long distance lorry driver or something like that you know he'll go away for a few days and as soon as he goes away the the bigfoot are slapping the house and and you know what i mean it's like yes yeah and that's that's a a regular occurrence in a lot of these cases um so there is something whether it's the male um energy they don't like or you know i don't know if whether it you know some sort of because it might just be primitive you know mating ritual yeah. type things stuff going on might it when he, when he's sort of left the domain it's like oh well she's obviously because they don't know he's coming back potentially did it yeah well yeah. i think i think they know he's coming back i think see i think that's where we make our mistake is we make the assumption yeah, yeah. that they're they're basic primates and I'm just going to be honest with you. I've found they're extremely intelligent and I've come to the conclusion that they know everything we know and more. They're very, they're aware of us. They're aware of our technology. They're pretty much aware of everything. Hello. I'm sorry, Scott, about this. Hello. Hello. Night. That's right. Night, baby. Go on and be good. I Sorry about that, Scott. Yeah, yeah. The children just gone to bed. Oh, okay. (laughs) You're in the so you're six hours ahead of me, I guess, aren't you? Yeah, seven o'clock here now. So yeah, yeah, five hours. Yeah, I was stationed in Germany when I was younger, so we had to deal with the with the time difference there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, where were we? Oh, oh, about the intelligence. I've come to that. I mean, and I know that upsets a lot of people to hear that, but I mean, just based on my experiences along with them, uh, you know, from if you, if you put a, some piece of technology in the woods, they instantly know it's there and they know how to avoid it or they mess with it, but they know how to avoid it instantly. It's no if, ands or buts. Mm. I mean, I've been involved mm. with, you know, trying my, you know, to do it myself, putting game cameras up. Uh, uh, I've, uh, the Olympic project out in, in the Olympic peninsula. I, I know people in that project very well and they went to the great lengths to camouflage their cameras. I mean, they would literally build a stump, you know, uh, uh, build a rock, you know, uh, out of material, you know, materials to make it, and that it would look just like a rock or just like a stump, yet they would get, you know, didn't get anything. But, you know, they would. there, were, there was plenty of Bigfoot sign in the area. So I've come to the conclusion that they pretty much know about our technology. I mean, 
they know when you drive up into the parking lot. They, you know, I, I think they're very, you know, I've had experiences. They, they understand English and they react accordingly. And so, you know, when you start to change your mindset to realize you're, you're dealing with a, basically you're dealing with a human being or some sort of human being, uh, or intelligence that, you know, is as smart as you are, if not smarter, it kind of, it kind of, you know, if you're going to continue to research and do things, you know, and some of the stuff they do, then it, then it starts making sense. See, I'm a firm believer. A lot of the stuff they do is, is, is confusion. And, uh, and they're just trying, they're just trying to fool us into thinking they're dumb hominids. I mean, some of the, the wood knocking and the whooping and all the, I, I'm sure you guys are aware of uh, finding Bigfoot. Yeah, I was actually, on, I, yeah, I was actually on that show way back, you know, in one of the earlier episodes, but I'm, I, I mean, I think a lot of that's just for show. I think that, you know, that's deception. Well, they have to put. I mean, some, they have to put some. It's like these ghost shows that we get. You know, they have yeah. to put something out, don't they? Otherwise, you won't watch it. If, no, exactly. if it was yeah. an hour, hour and nothing, but it's know. more for yeah. entertainment. It's entertainment. Entertainment. Yeah. Then, but they are getting. At least they're getting the message out there that these things are real. You know, to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, Scott. Do you reckon these uh, Bigfoots uh, are very psychic, intuitive? Uh, uh, well, there's ample evidence that they can. They're psychic. Uh, in the Bigfoot world, they call it mind speak. Mm. To, uh, you know, they talk to people directly into their heads. Um, yeah, I've heard that. And I've heard that. I mean, even Les Stroud uh, said that he, when he was here filming his episode of uh, Survivor Man Bigfoot, that he he was mind spoke up in the Smoky Mountains by one. Mm. So, you know. I've had them tried on me. I've refused to let them do it. To be honest with you, I just don't. Some about letting somebody in my head in any capacity, and so. Uh, but I have known other people. Uh, I've got uh, uh, witnesses that contact me that you know claim that they're in communications with them quite often, and it's through mind speak. You know, they're mm, they're yeah. talking to them in their heads. What do you make of this? Where. Because you, you know, going on the, these uh, cameras that people put out, and they put like they'll put like a bait station out, they'll put a camera up, and then all of a sudden the the camera will go blank for a few seconds, and the the, the food will go missing. Um, what what do, what would you feel? What would your feeling be if you was to put out a pressure pad sort of system, uh, which was like you know buried under leaf litter and such or pine needles? That was hidden, uh, not necessarily, connect, you know, where this object, you know, because they might sense infrared, blah blah blah. But what if, a, what if, what sort of, uh, re, you know, results do you think you get from some sort of pressure pad system? I think you get the same results you get now. They know the pressure pad was there. Yeah, they'd either watch you put it in, or they know it's that they would just they would know it's there. Mm. I don't know how to ex- describe it other than they have the ability to locate uh, technology. Regardless of where it's hidden or what it is. Now, I mean, we've had, there was a uh, researcher here in America that was using, uh, he was using a string system and he would modify the cameras, uh, and he, uh, where they would, they would be p- kind of like powered down and you'd have to pull the string to activate them and, 
and get them to take a picture so there wouldn't always be this active uh, uh, infrared sensor going, you know, because when you put a camera up, it's always active. Yeah. It has that passive infrared, so it's always looking for temperature change. So the theory was they can sense that and or see it, so let's don't do that. And and he so he, he came up with a system to put a you know a string and he you know put the string across the trail. And to my to my knowledge, he's not been successful. So they, wow. they has, has anybody tried the the two way mirror? Yes. Now, because yeah, I know they do that like with other wildlife, don't they? They put like a box, uh, a two way mirror box thing. Are you familiar with a fellow by the name of M. K. Davis? Uh, he's, not off the top of my head. He's a uh, he. He's produced. He's retired now, and he worked worked for NASA. He uh, he did their uh, photography. In other words, they would take pictures of nebula and other things like that. And his job was to clean that stuff up. You know, clean it up, make it pretty. You know, to, take, to be able to the be published. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's been big. He's a big foot researcher, but his specialty is. You know, photograph enhancement. He did. Yeah. He did the Patty film. I don't know if you've seen the GIF of the Patty film, mm-hmm. uh, where it walks across. He's he was responsible. He actually went uh, to uh, Patterson's wife and uh, painstakingly did uh, took uh, uh, photo. You know, took the original film and then did slides off that original film. So he has the original slides from one of the early copies of that film. And, and so he's produced stuff like that. And he's, uh, well, I, I just lost my train of thought. He just went right off the rails. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, mirrors. Mirrors, mirrors. Okay. There is a ranch in Texas. And it's, uh, the people that used to own this ranch with their, their name was Sales, S E L L S. And they've been having Bigfoot encounters since, uh, the early 80s. And it was like one of the very first what they call habitation sites. And they were literally feeding these things and having many, many experiences with them. And But during the time that they were doing it, really all you had available was VHS recorders. And I don't know if you remember the old VHS recorders. Yeah, they remember that. But what they would, <laughs> yeah, but what they would do is they, that's what they, they found that they couldn't get them to come in front of the camera. So what they would do is set up a large mirror. Uh, and so yeah. they'd set up a, they'd set, they'd go get these large, you know, carnival mirrors and set them up and then they'd point the camera into the mirror. Mm. And then, and, and MK, and they basically, when um, the husband passed away, the wife sent MK boxes and boxes of VHS tapes, some of them unwatched where they'd recorded them. And so he's been going through and watching these videos and digitizing them. And he has several pretty good uh, videos of Bigfoot, they're in the distance. Yeah, but I've you seen could, them, but yeah. you, yeah, you've seen them. I don't know yeah. if you've seen the one of Whitey where he, he sticks his face right in the camera. No, I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen the one where they're fighting. Yeah, the, the one where they're fighting, and then what they call Paul Tall, the one that's probably 20 yeah. foot tall, shows up. Uh, that that would be scary to see that one. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, I what mean, they, they, yeah, they've got, yeah. but they've got video recordings of, uh, I mean, they've got audio recordings of them chanting and talking and uh you know doing all kinds of crazy stuff uh they i mean some of the stories they would steal chickens and kill the chickens and you know you know uh they'd chase cattle uh so you know that that area has got a pretty pretty story you know uh 
background. So that's, you know, they'll, you know, the mirrors do work. Yeah. You know, so, so it, it obviously it's part of that rule. You know, they they know what a camera is, and they know what happens. That's part of my one of my rule sets is they don't they will not allow themselves to be filmed unless it's it, it it's going to serve a purpose. You know, in other words, the you know I get my footage from what I call the back trail camera, and that means I put a camera on my shoulder and it points backwards. I found that out early on. You know, they're watching. They're watching your eyes. They're watching the person's eyes. So wherever you're looking, the, the you know the rule one: don't let a human being see you. Yeah. Well, that's that's rule number one. So they'll get filmed. They'd rather get on camera than you know than have you see them with your own with your eyes. So you can I use that rule to my advantage because they, they love to hide. They're hide. They hide and peek. They're hiding peekers. Is what they absolutely. are. Absolutely. I mean, they use that rule to uh, protect uh, guides and things like that in like Samaritan from places like that where tigers and you know, known to be located, especially money in tigers. Yeah. They'll yeah. actually put a mask on the back of their head. Um, and exactly. that stop, no, nearly always stops the tiger attacking because yeah. it thinks it's being seen, thinks it's been spotted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so they're using something similar. But, I mean, we have this rule. I mean, you always talk about this rule of non-interference. Uh, yeah. Which the aliens are supposed to live Do you think it's something similar that they're living by? It could be. I mean, I take it from the biblical standpoint, but if you take it from the extraterrestrial standpoint, it could be a non-interference rule. Or, you know, I personally think eventually there's going to be disclosure, okay? I think, you know, you've heard that if you're in the cryptid, you know, the UFO people really think disclosure is coming. And they think disclosure is going to tie a lot of this up, all in one big, you know, pretty little package. Uh but until disclosure is ready, it's time for disclosure. You know, they're trying to keep themselves hidden. And, you know, you know, we were talking about how Bigfoot kind of, you know, goes over into the UFO, which goes over into the supernatural stuff, the ghost hunters. And that, and that, you know, the UFO thing and the Bigfoot seem to be very similar in some of the stuff that they do. Mm. You know, these rules that I'm telling you, you can find a UF person at, uh, from MUFON and they can tell you that some of these rules are adhered to by the aliens. Yeah. Very, you know, some of the similar. So, you know, but I think, you know, I think the rules right now are, are because it's not time for them to be revealed. Yeah. And I know that's kind of cryptic. You're thinking, what do you mean? Well, you know, I believe there's a coming a time in history when, when, uh, the devil and, his plans all going to be revealed, you know, it's in the Bible. And so, you know, he, it's not time yet. So they have to follow these rules, you know, because, you know, doesn't want, you know, doesn't, they don't want it to be public knowledge. But you can down and say UFO wise, you know, the extraterrestrials yeah. don't want it to be public knowledge yet. It, it could be something just as simple as they have, uh, you know, because it seems silly to us to say this, but they could have religious beliefs themselves where this is part of their religion that they're not allowed to. But then to do on these one hand, things. you've got the Bigfoot who kind of keep away from people, well, most of the time. And then you've got the Dogman who actually comes out because he doesn't give two hoops yeah, well, either way. Either he'll come out. And he doesn't give two hoots whether you've seen or not. So, so where do you stand on the Dogman situation then? Well, the Dogman seemed to be a little different. I mean, they still hide, but not not like not like the Bigfoot do. Yeah. But but let me and let me say this about the Dogman. I've had 
I captured the first time I ever encountered it. It was a back trail camera situation where it was right behind me and didn't realize it was behind me. And then I was stupid enough to go back into the woods a week later. David, my friend, said, oh, man, if we could get the hair from a dog man and get the DNA, yada, yada, yada. So like an idiot, I go back in there with hot dogs and tape, <laughs> on, you know, and, and I have an encounter and see one and and actually look, you know, get a, have an eye to eye with it. And it was totally different. I've had eye to eye experience with the Bigfoot. But when I had eye to eye with the dog man, it was totally different. There was no, for a lack of a better word, there was no soul there. This thing looked through me like I wasn't even there. There was no, I couldn't, other than, I, it was the weirdest feeling and the creepiest feeling because I actually felt nothing. It's like he didn't care that I was there. It could, you know, cut my head off or let me walk away. And it's like it didn't matter to this thing. In other words, it just didn't seem like there was any anything in those eyes. It was the deadest, coldest look I've ever seen in my life. Mm. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's hard to, you know. So would you say like, uh, you know, like a serial killer, this lack of empathy, this frontal cortex? Yeah, uh, yeah I just efficiency. totally, yeah, I just totally didn't care whether I existed or not. <laughs> yeah, and, still intelligence there, of course. With this, with yeah, there was intelligence there, but as far as the look, the eyes, you know, like when I looked at the Bigfoot, it's like it was like looking at another person. Okay. Mm. And, you know, when you, you you make eye contact with another person, there there's information exchanged, you know, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, you know, there's a, a there's a recognition, you know, it recognizes you, you recognize them, uh, you know, there there's an acknowledgement, you know, there might, you know, whatever other communications there could be. And when I looked at a Bigfoot, I kind of got that, you know, there was recognition. I recognized it. It recognized me, you know, that sort of thing. When I looked at this dog, man, there was none of that. It was like almost looking, you, you've looked at a, you've looked at like a mannequin or a, something like that where it had its eyes, but there's no life in those eyes. That's, that's exactly what I got when I was looking at this thing. Just, just totally different. I mean, that's how I'd expect, you know, if we, if, I know, I know it's hypothetical, but if we came across a dinosaur that had just had its fill of, fill of a meal, you know, I'd expect that to have the same sort of thing. It'd just walk past you. It wouldn't even, nonchalantly just walk past you. It wouldn't even care because, you know, it's had its fill, it's had its meal, it's not interested. Mm. Um, I think if you get one and it's hungry, I think that could be a, a different situation. I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, Bigfoot again. Um, if, they're, if they are intelligent, which we know they are. Uh, well. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why, they, why do they not use fire? Uh, well, let me say, I can answer that two ways. How do we know they don't use fire? Yeah, People yeah. say they don't, but they, they still may. Now, if you go back in my research two, three hundred years ago, uh, the, the Native Americans considered them a tribe of people and they dealt with them. They traded with them. You know, of course they had issues with them, mm -hmm. but you know, they were another tribe of people. And back then they made fire and it was reported. And it seems like when the, uh, White Europeans showed up, you know, as evil as white Europeans from Europe showed up in America. Uh, that seems to be when they stopped using fire, at least during the daytime. It seems like, you know, they, they, that's when they stopped using fire at the day, during the day. Hmm. So, so I, I think they can so. use fire. I think it's just they don't. Mm, so you know. almost they don't want to give themselves away. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like the Viet Cong and, you know, yeah. you know, joint Vietnam, same, same thing. 
Yeah, we, had one, we had one guy who lived in a treehouse for 40 years, didn't he? Because he thought the war was still on in Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you remember? <Yeah>. So, <laughs> and he, and yeah. he, he managed to survive. No one knew he was there. He didn't use fire and stuff, but he, he, he managed to, well, I think he did at night, actually. Yeah. I think yeah he did. You could use fire at night, or if you live yeah. in a cave, you can, you can, you know, if you know where your cave vents, you, you can definitely, you know, use mm-hmm. fire in a cave. And that was one of the things I was going to, to, to ask you actually about the, the living situation, you know, where do these creatures live, in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, uh, they, I mean, I think it's a combination of both caves and just in the woods in general. I, I think people have this misconception that we've explored everything and, and that there's no wilderness that no one's, you know, put foot on. But I, I, I mean, I, I live 25 minutes from the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, half a million acres or more of, uh, you know, of land. Mm. And I'm here to tell you, if you get off a trail and walk a quarter mile, you know, you're, 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 you're out in it. I mean, you know, it, you know, this is to be honest. If I didn't have to come back to, if I was self-sustaining and I didn't have family or any ties to come back to civilization, I guarantee you I could walk out in those woods and you never, ever, ever see me again. And so, you know, to say, oh, how do they keep themselves hidden? It's pretty darn easy. It's not, you know, if no one's looking for you, (laughs) then how hard is it to stay hidden? And so from that standpoint, you can, you know, you could live both, you know, in makeshift shelters. And then, of course, you can live in caves and wherever else. I don't I don't think it's as difficult as we think it is because we think like, you know, you've got to have shelter and food and you have to have all these things. But you you've got to remember they were born in it, okay? They were, they were, you know, they're acclimated to the cold. I mean, there yeah, are tribes, yeah. there are tribes in South America that don't put, have any clothes on yet. They can survive below freezing weather. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. there was a time when we was hunted, you know, and mm-hmm. going back to caveman times and all the rest of it. Um, well, yeah. I think history. I know you got your views, but I believe history yeah. is most. Most of history is lie. It doesn't. It, it's all made up. Most of it, but I don't disagree with you there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's. But it's, my, my point was like, yeah, But going back, I mean, yeah, there was yeah. a time when we lived in caves and we was hunted, um, and obviously the Neanderthals themselves was hunted to to extinction. Yeah. Um, but we we managed to. To, to keep ourselves because we adapt, yeah, you know, we, we've got the intelligence to adapt to adapt but, you know, to our, our surroundings. Out of the way, didn't we? So we, you know, so we've we've proved it's possible. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, to do that, uh, and then obviously you've got all you've got many war situations uh, which we could go through where people have done this themselves. They've they've hidden. Um, but get, getting onto that though, I mean, we have expert trackers now, and and all this. Do you think these things? Because I've heard reports that the military have captured a few, killed a few, whatever. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's possible for humans to track these creatures, or do you think? I mean, yeah, I, do I think it's possible? I do think it's possible, but I think there's, given their intelligence, they know how to, you know, stop. Le- you know, they know how to avoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know, you know, but you know, I've seen many. You know, we've used heard of trackers, dogs. Of course, we've problem with dogs is once they smell a bigfoot they don't they don't want to track anymore because they're they're like no we're not tracking this thing uh but you know i've heard you know of the times that people have tracked them most of the situations go into 
you know, they track them for three or four miles and then, you know, either it goes in, you know, either hits water or, and I personally think they take to the trees. Mm. And then once they take to the trees, that's it, you know. Uh, so they're, they're very difficult to track that way. Could, could you track them? I think so. And, but it would be difficult because I think once they were on to you and knew you were tracking them, more than likely they probably circle back and or go to the trees, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and yeah. you lose your, cause they, see people just think they're a dumb animal just walking off through the woods and why, you know, you know, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't be aware, you know, that you're there. Trust me. In my experience, as soon as you pull up in the truck and you or pull up wherever you're going and you set that first step in the woods, if there's Bigfoot in that area, they know you're there. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, there are plenty of, uh, in, so, you know, accounts where people say they they actually, these creatures come into them. You know, when, mm-hmm. they, get, when they get to know people, mm-hmm. um, they, they'll actually come into you uh, rather than you having to look for them at that point. So mm-hmm. that shows some sort of intelligence. But, yeah. Also now you've got this... Uh, Deforestation, you know, yeah, where all this, this is a massive now, problem. This is think, a problem coming now, yeah. it, where the, you know, where they're taking away the trees and, you know, dis- destroying Encroaching on habitats. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you the, know, you think the number, you think the encounters is going to go up? Uh, I think they're on the right. I think there's always been quite a few encounters. It's been the reluctance of people to report them. Yeah. Uh, in America. And, and I go through this in my in one of my books. Used to the Bigfoot used to be known as the wild man. Mm-hmm. And when America was rural, you know, when mostly everybody lived on farms, you know, from the founding of the country forward, uh, the wild man was just part of was just part of nature. In other words, you'd see a bear, uh, you'd see a wild, you know, a cougar, and you'd see a wild man every now and then. No, nothing strange, nothing unusual. Uh, the papers were full of wild man reports. Sometimes somebody capture one and have it in their barn or a uh, wild man would be reported doing something, you know, stealing chickens or, you know, scaring somebody. And so, you know, the, the New York Times has got, you know, there's all kinds of articles. And then when somewhere right after World War II in the late 40s, when America, especially in America where we started we get started going into you know industrial society and everybody started moving into communities and you know a lot of people were leaving the farm so to speak and then when you know the people from you know the people that lived in the the country that worked you know that still saw the wild man when they would say something about that of course the city slickers who had forgotten you know there was a wild man would make fun of them mm. and you know uh, you know, farm people, you know, country people, well, they're not going, they're not stupid. They're not going to sit here and be made fun of. So they just stopped talking about it. So I think in America anyway, as a culture, we kind of forgot about the wild man. We kind of gravitated away from it. And then once, you know, and then since we get, you know, in our cities and in our communities and in our rural, little rural settings, you know, we didn't encounter them anymore. You know, it was, you know, we made fun of those who did see them. And then of course in the, in the late 50s, when uh, the guy coined the phrase Bigfoot, you know, that even added more, you know, stigmatism to the word, you know, to seeing a wild man. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think they've been here all along. And I think just in at least in America, as, as a culture, we kind of had we just kind of forgot about them. And then once, you know, and then made fun of it and said, well, there's possibly no way that that exists. And, uh, and, you know, now we're finally coming back around to the fact that they do exist. If that makes, 
any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, obviously this is a, a phenomenon across the, the globe, really. I mean, you know, it's not just isolated to America. Um, obviously we get Bigfoot reports pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Um, obviously not so much in Europe, but I mean, yeah, I'd say, you know, not necessarily Europe, but everywhere else. But then the Neanderthal was, you know, uh, made extinct in, in, in Europe. So, you know, it's no big surprise that Bigfoot did, did you know, maybe did the same thing here with, you know. Anyway, so with this being all over the world and the fact that these creatures never seem to come to, um, any harm, you know, like, um, I, mean, I don't know if it's just because of where they live, but they never seem to get, uh, run over or, well, there's a couple of, uh, a few cases that have been, but then there's no by cars, but no then they just get up and yeah. run off, you know, so it's, especially mm-hmm. with a dog, man. Why do you think, <laughs> why a, do you think, uh, a body's never been brought in? Or do you, or do you think it has? Well, well, that's, that's a complicated question. Um, the set of foundation, I think, you know, I think we talked about this earlier in the discussion. I think the Bigfoot are descendants of the giants. Mm. And in America, there are thousands of uh, newspaper accounts of giants being found. Okay. Now the Smithsonian covers that up as soon as they possibly can. You know, it, you know, it's all hush hushed. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think, uh, there's I personally, in my research, I found at least a thousand uh, news articles, uh, you know, from all the way up through the 1930s of large giants, 9, 10, 11, 12 foot tall being found. Now, a lot of, you know, they claim that they're just giant Indians and a lot of the artifacts have been repatriated. But I, I, you know, number one, when people say, where are the Bigfoot bones? I say, well, there's plenty of them. They're the giant bones. Okay. Number one. I, and I think that's, I think that's worldwide. Patagonia, there's giants. Yep. Uh, they find they're finding you know they find they literally find giants all over the world, right? I still see them today in like yeah. Alaska, Solomon Islands, all you know, all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got the giant of Kandahar and that yep. situation where the special forces killed one. So, you know, I guess first of all, you say where are the bones? I I, I think we find the bones quite often. It's just at the current time. Uh, there, there, you know, there, for, I don't know if you want to call it a conspiracy or whatever, there's a move to suppress this information. Mm. Well, if, uh, if, if that conspiracy is in place, then, cause obviously a lot of people think it is, but the, the, the issue is that it would have to be a global conspiracy, wouldn't it? Well, it's an, I would say it's an establishment. Yeah. Uh, conspiracy. I mean, you know, and this is this is Scott's theory. This is my theory. But here, here's what I think: a lot of what's going on. Uh, you know, you've got scientism and those who believe in, you know, believe that you know man just happened to poof here by chance. And you, the Darwinist, you know, you've got the neo Darwinist and you've got the Christians, and they're in this epic battle. Well, the problem the Darwinists have is, as science gets more advanced, it's obvious that Darwin, you know, Darwinism is dying. Evolution's dying. The problem is they don't have another theory to put forth. So they're going, anything that is outside that dichotomy, they have to squash it. So if you have giants, that flies in the face of, of evolution and 
it leads credence to the fact that the Bible is true because the Bible said there were giants in the land in those days and there afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that's one of your problems. So you, you got these giants, these, you know, these artifacts that pop up where man was a lot more advanced, you know, in ancient times and where you had giants in ancient times, you know, we've got to squelch that. I mean, there, I've heard eyewitnesses of what that have seen scientists that are Darwinists literally destroy artifacts on purpose. Okay. And it's, it hasn't got anything to do with science. It's all about a belief system. But your problem is that's dying now. But I think, you know, as far as the establishment and the community, the scientific community, whether it's in England, whether it's in uh, South America, whether it's in the Far East, uh, you know, there's still all of that mindset. And so they're kind of in this, we've got to protect our belief system mode. Now, I think, and I think Dawkins actually kind of dropped a hint, uh, you know, in a TV special I watched uh, about uh, where he actually said that, you know, it was about intelligent design and how they're squashing anything with intelligent design. If you even even mention the word, you know, they run, they literally destroy your career so much for, you know, open discussion. But Hmm. Uh, it was in Ben Stiller's uh, special, but Dawkins actually said, well, there is, you know, evidence of intelligence design in, uh, in, in DNA and the cell and life, but it's not God. He actually put forth the fact that he thought the ancient alien theory, which, you know, this planet was seeded, you know, and our DNA was manipulated by, you know, extraterrestrials. So, I think that's what you're going to see replacing the evolution because, you know, science is starting to prove, you know, evolution is just, you know, is, is a bunch of garbage. It didn't happen. And so now they've got to have a replacement for that. And I think the replacement for that is we were seated here by extraterrestrials. Mm. Do you mean evolution regarding humans or, or across the field? Cause I, I think, I think across the field, I mean, there is, you know, you know, there's natural selection going on all the time, yeah. but you're not, you know, you don't, you're not having, you know, one species morph into another and they still haven't found, you know, they're, they're, they're having trouble finding, you know, they never have found their missing links mm. and you never have anything spontaneously just changing into something else. You know, you don't have a frog all of a sudden popping, you know, feathers out and flying off and it's not in the fossil record either. And, and like I said, and then sometimes the fall, and then, and they're also having trouble with the, the fossil record itself. And sometimes what they call these ancient anomalies where, you know, they'll be digging in a site that things are supposed to be billions of years old and all of a sudden they'll find a technology that's not supposed to be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's case after case. It's suppressed, but th- this sort of thing, if you look, you know, a Google search and you can start finding what they, they call it out of place artifacts, you know? So, you know, you know, they, they, in a coal mine where there's nothing supposed to be nothing but dinosaur bones, they find a, a chisel and a hammer <laughs> or, or they find a human skeleton or they find yeah. human foot, they find human footprints with dinosaur footprints. And of course this, you know, they're a smart thing. Well, there must've been a dinosaur that had a foot that looked like a human. <laughs> don't think. So, you know, so that, but that's what I'm saying. So I think, you know, you say worldwide conspiracy. I think it's more of a, it's a consensus, not a conspiracy. You know, we're yeah. like-minded, you know, like-minded people with like beliefs can kind of all move towards the same direction and they don't have to have a meeting in a smoke-filled room to do it. 
You know mm. what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. I can see yeah. that. I mean, because yeah. uh, <clears throat> you know, if it benefits, you know. People that's, and they just turn a blind eye to stuff, don't they? It's yeah, just, well, they they just stay and live in their bubble, and that's it. That happened for our yeah, history, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. So, getting on to this, uh, you know, one of the last things that I wanted to touch on was because um, we get a lot of this, um, and it seems to be your experience as well. But you might have some, you know, something different to say when I say this. But we get a lot of TV programs like Not Finding Bigfoot, stuff like that, where they will try and portray the Bigfoot as being friendly you know even when a little girl says oh it, it, it jumped out and growled at me and and they say yeah it was probably saying hello and <laughs> thinking no because if it was a fucking bear jumped out and growled at you, you don't say the bear was saying hello so we get this sort of aggressive um and obviously then they got the missing four on one stuff where people are going missing and obviously that could be could be a number of things so but you know possibly bigfoot let's just say for for mm-hmm. sake of argument so this aggression where do you stand on on the aggression side of things and do you think that they could possibly be killing people? Uh, well, the, the straight up forward, yes, I do believe Bigfoot could be killing people. Um, and I, this flies in the face of some of my friends who, you know, think they're the, uh, the keepers of the forest, you know. Mm. I don't believe they're the keepers of the forest. I don't believe that they give a rat's rip about the forest, okay? I, I don't trust them. My experience with them has been that they deceive and that they're not what they make themselves out to be. And though you may encounter one that's friendly, uh, you may, the next one you may encounter is not going to be friendly and may do, and of course may do things that you don't want it to do. I have, and I have multiple personal experiences with people who call me for help and the circumstances are, are bad. Uh, Can you give I've us had, an example? Sure. Is, is this adult show? Can I? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get into things if kids were going to be listening to the show. I have a woman. I have two different women. One woman called me. Uh, she up north uh, in Michigan. And she got my name from the North America Bigfoot site and uh, we take calls you know somebody will call in and say hey you know i've got a problem can you help me and we'll we'll call them back and she said that they had just moved into a home a new home uh it was her her son and her mother she was divorced and there was 40 acres of property and uh most of it was uh there was a house and then most of it was a field and then behind that was the woods and they moved in in early spring, and so the, there wasn't any crops in the field. And she noticed she looked out the she looked out the window onto the back porch, and she noticed her mother was waving at the wood line. And so she went out back, and she said, "Hey, what what's, what are you doing, Mom?" She said, "I'm waving at that big hairy man over there. See?" And she said, "Look across the field in the wood line was a was a was a Bigfoot standing there. She's probably about eight foot tall." Of course, she couldn't make much out other than just the big figure, but they both started waving at it, and it threw up its hand and waved back at him. So she thought that was just the neatest thing in the world. And so I gave her a warning. I said, you don't have any adult men with you? And she says, no, I'm divorced. And I said, well, please just be real careful. I said, sometimes, you know, I try to warn people. I said, yeah, yeah. things can get, you know, you can have unintended consequences. What you think, you know, is a, is going to be some sort of fun experience with a, a friendly hominid. It's not going to turn out that way. Well, fast forward uh, to the middle of summer, she leased the field to a local farmer, and he planted corn. 
and she called me back probably, I want to say it was June, July. The corn had not started, had begun to grow, but not totally, you know, totally mature yet. But they started seeing glowing red eyes in the corn. And, uh, you know, and she thought it was probably the Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, she was really excited about that. And I, again, I warned her and I said, well, just, just be careful. I said, you know, you don't, you don't know, you know, what, you know, what they're capable of. Well, fast forward to, uh, late August, I believe it was late August, early September when the corn is, it's, you know, all the way up. And it, she called me, it's about 10 o'clock at night and she was hysterical. And I calmed her down. I said, what's, what's wrong? What's going on? And she said, yeah, she said, I, I, she said, you just won't believe it. She said, I want them gone. She said, I want them gone. I said, what's going on? She says, well, she said, I just, we had a late evening and I just finished washing the dishes. And she said, I heard my wind chime just continuously, you know, tingling, you know, making noise. Yeah. And there wasn't no wind. She said, not much wind, no storms coming. So she stepped out on the back of her front porch, or back porch, excuse me. And it's a covered porch, and she looked to the left. The movement was to the left, and she looked to the left, and standing on the corner of the house, reaching in underneath the, uh, you know, the, the roof line there was a Bigfoot, a big one. And she said nine or ten foot tall, uh, kind of an older, looked like he was older because he was gray, black in color. And he was, he had a, his hand on the, he was just sitting there ringing her, uh, wind chimes. He wouldn't look at her. He looked straight. She said, just stared straight around the front of the house. She got nothing but a, you know, side view of him. And he was just sitting there ring, you know, ringing that. And she said, uh, you know, kind of like I noticed him. And about the time I noticed him movement to my right, something catches my, to the right. And when I turn my head back around, uh, a, a smaller Bigfoot, a dark, she said a dark black colored one, about eight foot tall, had just rounded the house and was walking. Now she's up on a porch, you know, it's probably two or three feet up off the ground. And you have, she said, I think like two or three steps down to the ground. This thing is walking close enough that it almost hit the steps. It's right in front. I mean, it's feet from her. Mm. Reach out. She can reach out and touch it. All right. So here it comes walking towards her. Parallel to her, it doesn't look at her. Again, it just stares blankly straight ahead. But it's walking. And she said, as it's walking, it's apparent this thing has a full erection on, okay? And it pretty much is parading in front of her with this erection. And it goes by her, walks around the big one that's ringing the, uh, uh, the chimes. And then once the, the younger one goes around the corner, the big one stops ringing the chimes and he walks off and she was mortified. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know if you've ever talked to someone who's, you know, scared and hysterical, but it took me a while to calm her down. She was, you know, she was afraid it was going to come in the house and rape her. You know, she, you know, she wanted it gone. She said, this is not what I thought was ha- going to happen. She yeah. said, this was just lewd and all kinds of other stuff. And so I told her, I said, well, what first thing you need to do is call that guy that got that corn and see how soon he can harvest it. And I said, number two, I said, I said, you need to get motion sensor lights and you need to go to Walmart or some your re- local retail store and get some cheap game cameras. Because usually I said, you either become a millionaire or they'll stay away because usually, 
you know, when you put up uh, game cameras, they don't like that infrared, yeah, and they don't like motion sensor lights, and that that keep will keep them away. And uh, I told her, I said, if anything ever happens, you need anything, call me. You know, she's never she's never called me back. So I would I'd have to make the assumption, you know, that uh, everything turned out okay. Mm. But that you know that's that's just one case where you know of these aggressive things of a sexual nature have happened to women. Yeah, well, that's what I was talking about Obviously before. You know, that's about you know, humans, really. You no, know, yeah. as soon as the males out of the way, they think yeah they can know, move in. They just see the next woman as a, a, another mating situation. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether it's maybe it's just because we're just similar to them. Mm, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like some of the missing four on one stuff. You see patterns in a lot of that where. You know, you look at you know a few cases where people go missing. Obviously, children, mm. um, you know, go missing regular. But you get a situation where you, you know, David himself will say a lot of these people that um, go missing didn't have a GPS system and that sort of stuff, which you know could mean that they were they, that they got lost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it also means that if you he says I think he says if you go with a mobile phone and a GPS, you'll you'll you'll, you'll always come back because. That's generally the people that don't have those things. They're the ones that go missing. So it's almost like we was touching on before, where they've got this um, affinity with uh, electronics. They know you're carrying this stuff and are wary of it. Uh, I think more so than a gun. You know, I think yeah. I think to some extent. Well, just for yeah. a dogman, because Ellen, what I've, what I've researched is that these guns don't really have any effect. Have any effect on the dogman anyway? Yeah. So I mean. I mean the other thing before I go on to that is the um, a lot of these people that go missing have got um, very rarely they go missing where they've got a full beard, you no know, facial hair or long, you know, long hair. Almost makes me think that the Bigfoot sees them as another Bigfoot rather than a human. Um, no, don't know, I've never heard of that. Yeah, because you yeah. see a lot of these cases where if you look at the, the pictures of these people that go missing, you, very rare you'll come across someone that's got a beard, you know, mm-hmm. full facial hair. Um, or long hair, so I, that makes me wonder. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's something you've come across, but it just seems. And I wonder if those people with beards and long hair have more success in the field when the when the when the researching this stuff. Um, so that was one thing. But um, what was the other thing I was going to touch on? I forgot what it is now. Um, you were you were just asking me if I thought they were dangerous, and and I and I believe you would should treat the Bigfoot like you would a wild animal like a bear or a mountain lion. Uh, you should be aware of them. Uh, mm. If you encounter one, you should leave the area immediately. I, you know, I think that's how, because you just don't know. I mean, that's the bottom line. Mm. I, th- I, I personally think, I mean, I don't go, in my research now, I don't go seeking them out. I've kind of crossed the threshold where they know me now, and, and I think I've got the rules where they I've allowed them to, kind of follow me around, but I don't actively try to, I don't gift them. I don't pay them any homage. You know, I don't put the, you know, I just, you know, I go out and I take my camera with me and I'm kind of bait, so to speak, but I don't actively research them and seek them out. I think that, you know, for lack of a better word, I personally believe if you're actively seeking them out and, Wanting to, you know, encourage an encounter, you're going more than likely you're going to have some sort of encounter with them. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, whether it's a, a sense they have that you're doing this or whatever, you know, 
you know, that will, you know, eventually happen. And then you, you can start this, you know, uh, string of unintended consequences that you probably, you may or may not want to happen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't encourage people. I mean, I've seen the bad side of it and, I, and I don't encourage people to, I don't think this is an activity you should take your children on, you know, into the woods going big. <laughs> I just Absolutely. don't. Absolutely. No. You wouldn't take your children uh, to go and look for bears, would you? No. So, yeah. I think, um, so I guess to, to wrap it up then, I mean, a lot of people are starting to form the opinion now that, in, again, we had the, a chap on a couple of weeks ago, Paul Sinclair, who, who get, goes looking for the, the dog man in the UK. And he's come to the opinion almost now, with the things he's seen and stuff that's happened, that these creatures are not flesh and, not just flesh and blood anymore. He, he almost gives them sort of like a supernatural qual- quality because there's some of the strange things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So on that spectrum then, so flesh and blood to supernatural, wh- where do you, where, where do you place them or do you think there's two different types that we're looking at here? Um, I, cause you wear about the cloaking and that kind of stuff. Don't yeah, you? yeah. And I'm aware yeah. I mean, I've, I've experienced the cloaking and have videos of what appears to be cloaking. Um, I think that they are, and we, and when we were use the word supernatural, you know, I think sometimes that's a misnomer. They have right. abil- they have abilities we don't comprehend or understand how to use. Mm. Okay? And from my, you know, from my, my, my point of view of being a Christian in the Bible, you know, they, you know, angels sometimes would do some of the stuff that Bigfoot do as far as. Well, well, well angels uh, themselves are sort of interdimensional, aren't they? they, 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 they that's right. They're, yeah. they, that's and, right. Um, we had uh, Gary Wayne on the, yeah, uh, yeah. who talked a bit about the Genesis 6 conspiracy. Yeah. And, and he was of the same opinion that you know, the Nephilim are the same. They can almost move between. The realms. The realms, if you like. So yeah, uh, I just wanted to get, get your that, opinion on that. Yeah, that's, and that's, I'm, I'm in that same train of thought of, you know, of the Genesis 6 conspiracy. Uh, you know, there are two realms. There's the realm we live in, the realm, the spiritual, the angels. And so you got to remember, in my worldview, the fallen angels mated with women and they had a hybrid. Yeah. So though it's not fully angelic, it's still, you know, genetically, it still has some of the, some of the abilities. And so I think you see that with the Bigfoot. And I think depending on how diluted their genome is, is how prevalent those abilities are. In other words, in the area I live in, uh, it appears from both their appearance and their abilities that they've, they've, you know, they've intermingled with, you know, pure humans. You know, so mm. for so long, some yeah. of these, not all, but some of these abilities are, are no longer there or diluted. And, but in other ways, like the cloaking, they can do that. Uh, interdimensional. I mean, I've got more than one story where, uh, you know, the footprints go out into an open field and disappear. Mm. Uh, there's the portal issue where people have seen open portals and things coming in and out of those portals. And of course, that would be, you know, if a Bigfoot does, it is supernatural and does have angelic DNA, then he can survive in that other realm. In other words, he can go back between the two and, you know, where I don't think a human being could go into the other realm and survive. But I think possibly the Bigfoot or some of them, not all of them, but some of them still retain that ability to do that, to go interdimensional, so to speak. And that would, because they're, when you're doing Bigfoot research, you know, you, like me, you start off and think they're a bipedal ape. 
And then, you know, about, you know, two or three years into it, I realized they're more than a bipedal ape. Then I, then I, you know, was he, they're a human hybrid and a very intelligent human hybrid. But then the weird stuff, you know, the supernatural stuff starts happening. The cloaking will happen to you. The, uh, the mind speak starts happening. The, uh, you know, the orbs show up with them. They, you know, they follow you home and they locate you 30 miles away from, uh, you know, where you're researching and, and how do they get in your backyard? And, you know, it makes no sense. There's, you know, they're how, you know, you're in a rural area, there's roads and, you know, how are they getting yeah. here? How do they yeah. find me? And so, you know, you know, I think anyone who's done this for a long time, that's willing to admit it, it always goes towards the supernatural. It just does. I mean, that's where it leads you. And then, then you've got those hard questions to answer. You know, some people just want to ignore it and, and just, move on and act like it doesn't happen while other people actually research it and delve into it. I, you know, I chose to try to figure out why, you know, that's why I went where I went. I was trying to figure it out. I wasn't just yeah. going to say, well, since I don't understand it, I'm just going to ignore it. But I mm-hmm. think some people do that. But yeah, I, I lean towards that they are supernatural. I think that at what we're seeing in this genetic, you know, like the dog men, I think the dog men are a, a, a genetic hybrid probably a fallen angel DNA with who knows what they mixed with it, probably, you know, uh, canine DNA, et cetera. So there's some sort of, you know, hybrid like that. I mean, you know, we haven't even touched on, I mean, we've got reports, you know, we do Bigfoot research, but people call us reports of uh, satyrs, you know, the goat men. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we've had, yeah, we've had reports of, you know, people seeing those, those sort of things. So we've is got. That, is that in a, like an isolated area or is that? Uh, this guy was in Colorado, and then we had another guy in Oklahoma. Mm. So, how did, he, how did he describe that? Well, he said that basically it had a goat, and, and you know, kind of instead of a dog man like head, it had a goat's head with horns, mm. and had a human torso, uh, but it it had uh, the lower body was kind of like a goat's lower body, and it had hooves. Yeah, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it sounds crazy to say, but I, I mean. Know. I've run across that uh, description uh, just around the corner from where we live as a little woods, and it's probably what, Willsy Woods is probably what, a couple of acres? Yeah. Three acres, four or five? It ain't massive, but we call it a woods. <laughs> you know, not by American standards, no. obviously, but it's a little woods. And um, I was with a guy, and he told me, you know, he knew I was into the paranormal and stuff, and he he, he said to me, he says, oh, you're not going to believe what we saw when we were kids there. And he said, we, it was a cornfield, um, and you know, it was sort of ready to, you know, harvest, so it's quite tall. And he said, this thing stood up above the corn, and he said it had almost like, a, he described it more of like a rabbit's face, uh, you know, like a snout, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm presuming, red eyes, but he said it had horns on its head, or maybe mini antlers. Um, and he said, this thing stood up, and it walked in the, you know, because you have like the tractor tracks, don't you, uh, yeah. in the cornfields. He said it walked, it mirrored them as they was walking down the trail. It was about 10 feet to their left, uh, to their right as they was walking down the trail and it mirrored them, walked along there um, and it's head just above this thing. Anyway, cut long story short, it was in a cafe with me in uh, in town and he was telling me this story. We sat in a cafe and he was telling me this story and I still think it's bullshit, you know, I'm still saying, yeah, you're pulling my leg, you know, but he said, look, honestly, there's 10 of us there and they'll all tell you the same story. So he's telling me this story in the cafe and this woman uh, dropped a knife and fork, stopped eating, and she spun around in her chair. She said, I've seen exactly the same thing driving past there. 
uh, one night. She saw, she said she saw yeah. the same identical creature. Um, you know, uh, obviously they're out there. They're... You know, and that's similar to what you're saying about this goat. Uh, you know, it w- yeah. would look like a goat head, wouldn't it? I don't know why they described it as a rabbit with antlers, but a goat right. head would be sound more thingy. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I find that absolutely um, fascinating that these things are out there. I think there's more out there than we. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Than we oh, know at this uh, point, definitely. Uh, you know, J.C. But, Johnson um, out at the Four Corners area. You know, they they run the gambit of what they see out in the Four Corners. You know, that's near mm. Skinwalker Ranch is and. You know, they've got dinosaur like creatures, you know, with three toes, you know, they, yeah, they yeah. run the gambit out there as far as weird stuff. Mm. So, you know, I've, I mean, I've been coming up with this, uh, based on what I know about Bigfoot and all the rest of it. And, and one of the things that crops up all the time, you know, you can get t-shirts on and all that where they say, uh, where they say, um, uh, you know, he's the hide and seek champion and all this stuff. And a lot of people sort of assume that's, for our, you know, for our benefit almost, the, the, the elusive for, for us. But I, I see it more of, um, I believe that the Bigfoot has an enemy which we may not know about. And I think that the ability to, to hide doesn't come from hiding from us. I think, because you find all over the world in Mongolia and places like this, you know, where people used to trade with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um they don't trade with them so much anymore. These things have gone into hiding and they're, they're very elusive. Um, and, I, and obviously it was trading with humans. So this, the humans wasn't an, an issue, at the, you know, to these creatures. Something came along that they, they're trying to avoid. And I think their skills in avoidance, if you like, came from having an enemy. Um, I don't think you, you, if you're the predator, these are in this situation, human Bigfoot, we, we are the prey. Um, so it's counterintuitive that they would hide themselves from us. Do you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I see your point there. So do you, do you, would you, would you go along with my theory that there may have, there may be an enemy out there that we may not, we uh, may I, not understand well, at the moment? I think maybe the enemy maybe would be the dogman. Yeah, I, w- I would hate to see an enemy, what their enemy would be. Exactly, yeah. But, but, uh, but for a creature that size to have the ability to hide like it does, or mm. the need to hide, yeah. should I say, yeah. I mean, that's more than human. That's more uh, than it's, it's fair of humans. Yeah, I, I kind of, I almost lean towards their, maybe not hiding, but they're obeying a keeper, some yeah. sort of keeper. I, you know, there, there's something supervising them or keeping them or ruling over them that has this set of rules and they're afraid of. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's an enemy as more as it is something that it's a, it's their keeper. Yeah. And they're afraid of that. Yeah. Or they're, yeah. you know, they have to, you know, it's more powerful than them, so they have to, you know, they have to obey it. Mm. But, you know, that, I mean, that, you know, that would be yeah. like an enemy de- definition, wouldn't it? There'd be some yeah. ruler of yeah. some description, but, uh. Yeah, you know, some ruler, yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's out to kill them. I think it, it may be just out to rule over them. Mm. But we, but then we don't see that rule. That's the, you know what I mean? We see the Bigfoot, we don't see the rule. So it's very, you know, I, you know, going down rabbit holes here, yeah. I don't know. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, it's uh, been fascinating yeah, talking to you. Absolutely fascinating, Scott. Um, we'll have to get, get you back on, Scott. Yeah, we'll definitely we've got so much to talk about. More, get you back on to talk about the more, you know, the alien side of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, that'd be that great. Uh, yeah, the big foot. But um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Scott. Really, no problem. Enjoyed it. Fascinating. So, uh, <laughs> do you want to? Uh, is it? Is there somewhere you want to tell people to go and get your book from? Or uh, sure. Uh, 
you can find, I've got several blog pages. I've got, uh, my new book. Uh, you can find me. It's called the Nephilim. It's the Nephilim Among Us dot blogspot.com. And that's where I've got, that's where my new book's available. I have blogs called the Bigfoot Field Journal. If they, if they'll Google it, the Bigfoot Field Journal. Or I have another blog about the dog man called Dog Man, the Monsters Are Real. And so, uh, or they can just Google my name, Scott Carpenter, and, uh, it'll, it, you know, it'll come up, you know, Bigfoot or something like that. And my, my information will come up, but I have, you know, I have a YouTube channel, which you can, you can find me on YouTube, uh, you know, where I post my videos. And, and like I said, I've got the books that I've written and the blogs. Great stuff. Okay. Great stuff. Well, um, Nip, thank you again. Yep. Thank you, Scott. Been, been brilliant, mate. Thank you. All right. Enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye.